Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Chris Brito. We have even more NBA movement in what has been the craziest offseason in league history. Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul have traded places, and CP3 may be on the move yet again. We'll break it all down, but first, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, buddy. Happy to be here another episode of the All Hoops Podcast. You know, every time I think the NBA can't surprise me anymore, something like this happens, and it makes me fall in love with the league more and more again. What more? What other league can keep you as captivated as the NBA has in the offseason like they can? I don't think there is. Um, I, I, I don't know. So the whole Russell – so this all obviously unfolded after Paul George was traded to the Clippers. You know, Russell Westbrook was probably the next one to go. And now he's going to be in Houston to play with his old buddy, James Harden. Um, you know, as you remember, both of them, you know, along with KD, went on that finals run against the Miami Heat. They lost, but they were, you know, three young stars in their 20s who, you know, were oozing with potential. Now we're seeing OKC many seasons after that, and now they're basically left with nothing. But they have a lot of draft picks and Shia Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. So, so what are your initial thoughts about this trade? Who, how do you see that relationship working out um, with Harden and Westbrook now in Houston? Well, well, Chris, that's really the main question, right? So it seemed like Chris Paul and James Harden were great fits with each other. The problem was chemistry-wise, off the court, they didn't really get along. So I think Westbrook and Harden is a worse fit on paper than Chris Paul and James Harden, but it's clearly a better matchup chemistry-wise. James Harden was a key factor in getting Russell Westbrook to Houston. Russell Westbrook wanted to reunite with James Harden, so clearly they do have a friendship here. Is that friendship off the court enough to make the fit on the court better? That's really the question for me. So I would think it's a worthy risk. Chris Paul was getting hurt. You know, now he's getting older. He's 34 years old. This idea that an 80-game season for Chris Paul, you know, at this stage of his career was just not happening, Chris. So it's a worthy risk. I, I question the fit, but I don't think there was a better move to be made. So I really think this was the right move for for Houston. And I also think, you know, the Thunder, you know, there's really no point of keeping Westbrook if he didn't want to be there anymore. They get two first-round picks. Both of those picks are basically, I think it's 2024, 2026, basically when James Harden and Russell Westbrook will either be gone or a little older. So those picks could end up pretty pretty decently. So I really like it for both sides. It makes a ton of sense. Obviously, in a little bit, we'll cover what the Thunder do with Chris Paul. This is obviously not the player they want to build around you know, at this stage of his career. So we'll break that down in a bit. But I think right now, um, if Westbrook can adjust his game, they can win it all, Chris. That's true. I, I, there's no question that you know you upgrade tremendously from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. Like um, you know, based off the reports that we we saw earlier this summer, you know, it seems that CP3 and 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 the beard weren't just weren't getting along like that. Um, I think Westbrook and Harden will be better because they already had that camaraderie when they were younger, and hopefully. That'll carry on here. Um, you know, m- my belief is that this team will go through de- s- several phases. I think they're going to start out losing out a lot of games, kind of kind of like last season. I think what will eventually happen 
is that they'll follow a similar format to, that they have with Chris Paul, where Chris Paul was leading a lot of the second unit, um, even though he was starting. Um, that's what I feel will be the optimal role for Russell Westbrook. I think that in later on, if we see things not working out with him in the starting lineup, I think we could even see him being, you know, I don't want to go there yet, but maybe something like a, you know, a sixth man role. If, if we see, I I know it's crazy. I know because there's no, really no other starter on that team that really makes more sense to be a point guard. But I think if you want to get the most out of Russell Westbrook, you need him to take all the shots, all the ball, you know, you know, have him back to his ball dominating ways. If he doesn't change his ways. All right, well, Chris, I think you just said two very interesting points. One I totally agree with. Russell Westbrook against second units, basically staggering off Harden, you know, that would create a death squad, basically, where Westbrook is, you know, killing second units bench guys. I think they would have a clear advantage in that. That being said, the idea of trying to put Russell Westbrook on the bench and have him be a six-man I think attitude-wise, he would never he would mm-hmm. never allow that to happen for one. And also, he's going to make I think 170 million dollars over the next four years. So, you know, I don't think the Rockets would even entertain something like that. But again, I think the first part you said was correct. You know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden will start together, but staggering them like they did with Chris Paul and James Harden, where basically one of them is always on the on the floor. I think that makes a total lot of sense. And Westbrook would kill a ton of benches, and I think that would be a huge advantage for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, and and you know what? I think Russell Westbrook was never really a point guard in a traditional sense. I think he's always been a shooting guard, and I think. But so is James Harden, and so is James Harden. But I think I actually think James Harden is more of a of a point guard. He's such a great facilitator. He's much better than that. He's much better than at at, at you know making his teammates better than Russell is. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Russell Westbrook adjusts to being, you know, off the ball. Although that's what we assume, right? You know, who knows what, you know, Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni are actually thinking with what Russell Westbrook's role will be. Um, So, I mean, I think it'll be great for his career. Um, Clearly, I think my belief is that this team will probably be a top four team in the NBA. Um, I know you think, the, you know, they'll be behind the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors will be that good. Um, but I see, I think the, it, you, I think it'll be the Clippers, maybe the Blazers. Um, then I'm perhaps the Lakers there at number three. Um, and then I think you'll have the Houston Rockets there now. We'll definitely break down like Western Conference standings in a future show, Chris, but I definitely think uh, I would go Right now, Clippers, Houston, Golden State, Portland. Maybe not in that order, but those are my top four teams. I think Utah has has oh, a, right. a chance Utah there. Utah too. But I, I would think the Lakers are behind all five of those teams right now, Chris, mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it soon. Um, so um, let's talk about another team that is in the Western Conference, the Thunder. So the Thunder are now you know, picking up the pieces after they've traded like – Two, they're, they're two best players in the span of two weeks. So it's crazy how close this team was to getting their first championship. Um, and it's also crazy to think about how many all-stars they had on that team. Like you had 
we were talking about it last week. They could have they could create an all NBA team with the players that they had on that OKC. OKC. Um, it's really sad. So I guess let's take a retrospective look at this team. Will the era with the Westbrooks, the Hardens, the Durant? Um, do you see this all as a disappointment? I think it depends on where you're looking. So if you're looking from a national perspective, I think people will continue to show the picture of the three of them or the four of them with Serge Ibaka and say, oh, like, what could have been? This team could have won so many championships. But at the end of the day, you know, these guys came in there as drafted players by Oklahoma City right when the Thunder became a team. Yeah. You know, there was no team before them. You know, so those guys really helped create an amazing culture down there as a, you know, that's the only professional sports team that Oklahoma has, you know, so they created an amazing culture and amazing fan base. You know, they're near the tops in attendance every year, Chris, and I don't think that's going to go away right away. So I think from that perspective, these guys really built this franchise. So I would not consider it a disappointment at all. I would consider it a really exciting uh, market that these those three or four guys you know helped build yeah um i think it is a disappointment um but i i agree with all your points um but i think at the end of the day you know people will look back with with fond memories of all those players that you mentioned um but it's 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 a clear-cut disappointment because of that reason they had so much potential you know if there's anyone to blame it's not the players and maybe not even Sam Presti. It's the ownership that didn't want to pay the luxury tax and pay for the, you know, pay for the James Hardens of the world. Um, that's that's solely what this is, right? And hopefully, I I, I totally and, I totally and agree I, and I don't think the fans actually hate the players for leaving. I think it's more about you know the potential, right? But you know what? You know, Sam Presti did the the best job he could. Um, with what he had, I mean, now as you know, we were talking before the show, and you know, OKC now has eight first round picks. That's crazy, man. They could, they, well, they they got eight first round picks this, this week. week. They also have their own picks, so they have close to fifteen picks uh, until twenty twenty six. That's Chris. So, insane, and they can now build a team they want in their in their eyes or trade flip them for trade assets, whatever it is. Um, yeah, and for sure. they they could. Just by that, they could make their old all NBA team in the future. So, and you have to remember that Sam Presti has drafted all of these players we're talking about who have left. So, this idea is that, and he's also drafted Stephen Adams and Roberson and all these you know good role players as well. So, there's no reason to think that they can't build something here pretty pretty quickly with all these draft picks because Sam Presti and his staff have such a great reputation for. We're drafting players. It's true. It's true. Um, I I agree with that, and no doubt he's done the best he, he he's had with the cards he was dealt. Um, but my favorite part of this trade is really getting uh, Shy Alexander. Um, I think, you know, they're not starting out exactly at zero because of Shy Alexander. They have a point guard they could probably make as the PG of the future, and they also got Danilo, who can they can trade into a future trade asset too. So. I, I like the trade. I like what they've done basically with OKC. Um, it just it just sucks that it'll probably be for six years before this team is back to anything relevant. 
Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how Alexander SGA plays this year. He's uh, He had a really good second half with the Clippers. He really was starting to show himself in the playoffs. And I'm, But what I'm really most fascinated about is what happens next for Chris Paul. Chris Paul is 34 years old, Chris. He's going to make $38.5 million next season, 41.3 the year after, and $44.5 million the year after that. It's about, four, it's about three years and $120 million. He doesn't want to be there. The Thunder don't really want him there, kind of clogging up minutes for SGA. This whole, oh, he could be a mentor thing, I don't really get that because Chris Paul is not going to want to play off the ball at this stage of his career. And I also think it's it would be bad to put SGA off the ball for a majority of his minutes you know, at this stage of his career. So, so the Thunder need to dump Chris Paul now, Chris, before he further breaks down and they no longer can. All right, so I think OKC will do their due diligence. But I also think that him playing along Shea isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I know you're saying that he doesn't want to be a mentor, but he may not have a choice. So maybe it's just like what happens if all of a sudden he gets hurt again, he plays 40 games and he's not the same player, then you basically can't move him. I still think right now there's a chance you can just take on a bad contract from Miami or Detroit and move Chris Paul. No doubt. No doubt. But. OKC is not going to do this without, you know, making sure they get something out of it. No buyouts, nothing, nothing like. That. No, they. I don't think you consider a buyout with this kind of money. No, no, no. I don't think it's even. No, I'm a just. I, I, I'm just saying, like, OKC should do whatever is best in their in in their best interest. And if moving, if they don't find the right deal, then they shouldn't move Chris Paul. That's all. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would think uh, Miami makes a ton of sense pairing him with Jimmy Butler. I don't know how good that team is, but it seems like something that would make sense from their perspective. I also thought, you know, Detroit was really interested in Russell Westbrook. Imagine some kind of salary dump. Chris Paul goes to Detroit and he reunites with old buddy Blake Griffin. I think that would be hilarious. It would be like a, a crankier, older version of Lob City. And, uh, you know, Lob City hits Motown. I think that would be really fun, makes that team relevant. They got Detroit's got to do something, Chris. You know, battling for an eight seed every year is just not, I don't know, that is not what I would want to do with my franchise. Yeah, but you know what? I I like um, Dwayne Casey. Um, I don't think this will be an eight seed next okay. year. I think, I think it was a lot because Griffin was injured yes. toward the end. But Griffin's always injured, to, which is – which is also another problem. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish up with that. No, I'm. I'm just saying that they should definitely upgrade. Anything is better than Reggie Reggie Jackson at this point. So. Yeah, and I find that hilarious that you know they did that kind of deal. Reggie Jackson into back in Oklahoma City, where Westbrook and Durant basically didn't talk to him, didn't want any any of the young players sitting near him in the locker room, were begging the Thunder to get rid of him, and now all of a sudden he might be the last one back from that group that was going to the finals. <laughs> that would be uh, really yeah, be something to fun. see. Real quick on Chris Paul. Um, obviously, it seems like him and James Harden just weren't a, a match off the court. And there was reports that, you know, Chris Paul was like, it's either me or James Harden, you have to pick. And uh, basically, Rockets front office were like, no, like this is that's not true. That's not true. But they clearly dumped him. And – you know, he missed some t- time in the playoffs the last couple of years when the Rockets were so close to beating the Warriors and getting to that NBA final. Did Chris Paul miss his best chance and basically his last chance at getting that championship? I mean, 
Unfortunately, I think yes, but I don't. Obviously, it wasn't intentional. He he was just injured a lot, man. Like I think it just sucks because Chris Paul has definitely deserved a better way to end his career, just like Carmelo Anthony did. But I think uh, it's gonna be hard to put him in a position to win again unless he like takes out a massive buyout, which you know you don't want to be a, a you don't want to be broke i mean not broke but you don't want to lose out on all that money either so i think i think at the end of the day chris paul will be fine you know he'll be earning a lot of money in the next few years i would question whether the players union would even let him take some kind of buyout that would basically cost him <laughs> any kind of more than two, two, three million dollars on this hundred and twenty million, and then Oklahoma City is not going to pay him a hundred million dollars to go play somewhere else. So, because he can still play, Chris, he can still play, but the, you know the attitude's been a question, and his durability is a question. So he's not worth the money he's making, but he's still a very, very good point guard who, when he's healthy, is as good as any point guard on the court. So I think. We're going to look back on that game seven from not this year, but last year against the Warriors where, you know, the Houston Rockets had the best chance to beat the Warriors and they just couldn't pull it off. They had like the worst shooting game anybody's ever seen for a team that makes their living on threes. And not only that, but they didn't have Chris Paul that game. Who knows what could have happened in that game six or seven and and don't forget game six or seven. and, And, you know, if it weren't for his game five performance, you know, this is a different story. Uh, well, good luck to Chris Paul in OKC. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think uh, him in in Miami with Jimmy Butler would be uh, very entertaining. So I would I hope that happens. Uh, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts. I want to start with this. People have been freaking out about R.J. Barrett, the tunnel vision, the weaknesses we saw in at Duke, and we talked about during the draft have clearly shown in summer league. But again, it's summer league. Everybody relax. You know, he's going to have some ups and downs. He's a 19-year-old rookie. I think, you know, there's nothing we can really learn about R.J. Barrett this month. So there's no reason to freak out about it. Yeah, you're right. I think, I mean, we've been, his weaknesses were, were definitely on display. But we also saw a player that's obviously much better than everybody else on the court. So um, I hope he gets to work. I, I also think. This is just me, like, optics-wise. He also looks a step slower than I imagined him. He looks a little bit bigger also. Um, maybe he, maybe his condition needs to be a little bit better before entering the season, too. So maybe we'll see some a, a different player once the preseason starts. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried about him. And it's also the same thing. We can't freak out about... And also, if we're going to not freak about R.J. Barrett, we also can't hype up, you know, if Kevin Knox is a big summer, it's summer league, you know, or Brad Deacon. Yeah, that's true. So here's here's my observation about Kevin Knox, though. I think he'll really flourish as a catch-and-shoot player, and I think he's shown, like, glimpses of him flourishing in that capacity. So even though it's summer league, the fact that he can do it and being efficient at it I think is a is an interesting step moving into the season, but we'll obviously talk about that more once the preseason starts. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the preseason. I think that's more telling against actual NBA competition over summer league. Uh, another interesting story that came up is basically LeBron was going to give Anthony Davis his number twenty three. He got approval from the NBA, and basically Nike said no because 
we're going to have to, we're going to waste tens of millions of dollars in merchandise of LeBron and Davis jerseys with their old numbers that we still have an inventory. Chris, this is so stupid. If I, you know, now that we know they're going to switch a year from now, why would I buy a LeBron 23 jersey or a Davis number three jersey this year when I know they're going to switch their numbers next year? I mean, I don't know how to answer that except saying that, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Nike, Nike, who I, I consider to be a very like smart company you know, very innovative. This just kind of seems like a, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. So Davis will wear number three, as we just said, and LeBron will remain with his 23. And then Davis next season will wear 23 and LeBron will wear number six. At least that's how it sounds right now. It So I, the reason I was mentioning the night thing was just because like, wouldn't you have waited, you know, have enough foresight to see that you know with the whole LeBron number situation before it actually happened I guess they just started printing out jerseys a day he signed well oh the Davis thing right I guess they just started printing out Davis jerseys as soon as like there were reports that he was going to come right is that is that the thinking I don't know yes that that's basically the thinking you know LeBron would have stayed with his number if Davis wasn't on the team okay um, okay, so really quickly, this Sean Marks story about Kevin Durant. So basically, um, Sean Marks in a press conference basically revealed that he didn't have a meeting with Kevin Durant. He basically found out that Kevin Durant was signing with the team through an Instagram post. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, my initial thought was like, wow, after giving him all this credit, Last week about him like convincing Kevin Durant to come, blah, blah blah blah. I mean, later I changed my mind about it, but after all the you know giving all this credit and whatnot, um, it turns out that he really didn't even speak to KD. But also to his credit, he laid enough groundwork with Kyrie and the team he has in place that now you know this team is has KD now. So KD felt comfortable enough to coming on this team. So. I thought it was kind of interesting that why would he reveal that? Why would he not like, there's just no need to say that. Even if he was trying to be transparent, I don't get the value in it. That's all. I just think it's interesting. I, I, um, I really believe that Durant just basically followed Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving said, based on what Sean Marks and uh, Kenny Atkinson have done developing these young players in Brooklyn, I can win here. If I bring another star with me, that star happened to be Kevin Durant. And, Look, you know, Sean Marks has done a whole lot for this Brooklyn organization. Just because Durant basically and Kyrie recruited themselves there, that doesn't take away anything from what Sean Marks has done to me. No, for sure, no. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an incredible executive who's had a lot of success with the Spurs, and now he's really building something special in Brooklyn. I love. Really makes me sick for one, but he does. He does deserve a lot of credit, and uh, I just. You know what my favorite part about this is that you've become into a Sean Marks supporter. Have I? Well, I like good executives who make good decisions. Basically, <laughs> I'm just not um, used to it. That's all. Yeah, um, I get that's it. Gonna, that's going to do it for us. Wait, Thank wait, you all. wait, wait. Go ahead. One, wait, one more thing. One more thing. So, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. so when, um, so when Sean Marks, um, gets the award for GM of the year, does he share it with uh, Kyrie? Uh, he, he should <laughs> share. He should share something. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll we'll talk to you soon.
Thank you.